Tails, more well-established lesbian. Chapter 64 The After Party I won't lie to you, this is not a strength of mine. I am never going to win the After Party. But that's the great thing about After Parties at Roller Derby. You don't have to win them to have a good time. But we are in Helsinki, and I've already had enough shots to keep me very warm. I can hardly be missing this after party, now can I? Plus, it's going to be a great distraction from the friend request that I may have accidentally accepted on Facebook, and then the slow trickle of messages Vili has been sending all day long. By the time we all fall out of the cab into town, it is clear to me that tonight is going to be a good night. I mean, honestly, we've been laughing since the hotel lobby and it doesn't look like it's going to stop any time soon. We all start getting the drinks in. And the first two rounds mostly consist of everyone else swapping drinks, tasting someone else's drinks and ordering that the next time. In the blink of an eye, the club goes from halfway empty to packed and jumping. I say in the blink of an eye, there were quite a few rounds in there and um, these non-skating officials, they've started buying shots again. And now we've got a very drunk me who cannot stop fangirling the entire Antwerp team. Right this second, I fancy every single one of them. And I am very jealous of their shiny medals. I've cornered one of their skaters who just also happens to be, you know, incredibly gorgeous. Well, at first I thought I had her cornered, but she soon turns the tables and it's me who is now being held captive in this conversation which would have been fine if this was six or seven drinks ago. But now, I can't concentrate on what the hell she is saying. It is very loud in her, and her accent is very strong. And <clears throat> I suspect she may be just as drunk as I am. The less I can make out what she's saying, the more my brain drifts. And I think things like, I wonder if she'd keep her medal on if I pulled her tonight. I'm also thinking about making my move, but uh, there are two slight issues. One, I am not sure she's going to shut up long enough for me to actually make a move. And oh my God, I love this song. The DJ has done that thing that amazing DJs do and dropped an absolute floor filler at just the right moment. The party has gone up a gear and the gorgeous Antwerp skater and I danced it up and then parted ways because everyone is dancing right now. Everyone is having a go in the cages. I mean, it's got to be done. Teams are doing the can-can on stage. We've lost our collective Eurovision-loving minds when they played Euphoria, and more than a few of us lost our tops at that point too. I mean, all of these boobs bouncing around me. Euphoria, indeed. But damn it, I blinked again, and all of a sudden I'm being gently ushered to the cloakroom. Because boo, it's going home time, or some such bollocks. Not before Queen Bee, though, has had her muck rib. Ugh, I am too drunk to cope with the smell of a McDonald's right now. So I'm just going to wait out here in the exceedingly fresh, crisp Helsinki air. And I'm admiring the architecture, albeit with a little bit of a sway on. It really is a very, very pretty city. I've not seen much rubbish, I've not seen much trouble. I mean, it's a lovely place. Bit cold, but it's lovely. My drunken city break review is interrupted 
by two lads who want a cigarette. I'm not the most generous person in the world, but generally speaking, if asked nicely, I'll hand over a fag or two. The lads have misgendered me in the first instance, which is honestly standard for me, but they felt the need to overcorrect and it's all getting a bit weird now because I don't really know what happened here, but now we're having a row. Well, mostly just me and this one lad. The other lad just looks on quite confused. We're literally just yelling at each other in the street. We're quite loud at this point that maimed one of the NSOs has come out to find me about to trade blows with some Finnish fella. He is getting right in my face, so I push him away and I yell at him to take his straight boy bullshit somewhere else. And this stops him dead. He looks me straight in the eye and says, I'm a homo. I throw my fucking arms up. Well, why didn't you just say so? He points out that we've been busy yelling at each other. It turns out that this particular homo is from Lapland. And now, now we're besties, proper chatting away. And out of the corner of my eye, I see Mame just shaking her head before heading back inside the warmth of the McDonald's and to check on the rib situation. I now have to be dragged away from my new Lapland homo friend to get in the taxi. I would tell you his name, but I've already forgotten it. Ours was a very short, intense friendship. Not one meant to last. Unlike my hangover, which arrived much earlier than expected and ruined all my chances of a decent lie-in. I regret many of my drink choices from last night and I can think of only one thing to cure this. A fry-up, however, seems an unlikely thing to find in Helsinki. But I am sure that these guys have pizza. They must have pizza. And I'm pretty sure they've got Pizza Hut which means they should hopefully have an all-you-can-eat buffet. The sun is in half a job mode today. Just this dazzling ball of painful light in the sky, but with no warmth to actually speak of. Helsinki, however, does still look gorgeous to my bleary, hungover eyes. In my quest for deep pan pizza, I am deep in the city centre, getting all kinds of turned around by Google Maps. An old-fashioned arcade lies ahead. Not the Space Invader kind, the shopping kind. A covered street of shops. I love the ones we have around the UK. And this one reminds me of that, but you know, with a finish, um, finish. It's the fancy shops arcade. You know, the ones where you feel like you're getting invoiced just for looking in the window too long. Or the other kind where if you have to ask how much something is, you can't afford it. And yet here, Above the swanky shops is where I find Pizza Hut. Fucking let me at it. Now, dear friends, I am not the kind of person who gets great value for money at an all-you-can-eat buffet. For me, it's about variety and speed of access. Quantity comes third. Except today. Because in Finland, Pizza Hut has got notions. They're out here charging proper restaurant prices. When people tell you Scandinavian countries are expensive, they aren't lying to you. It's why Lego costs so much, I'm sure of it. Anyway, on my ninth pizza slice, I'm starting to think I might die. I thought I'd pace myself quite well, you know, killing time until my train. But honestly, in standard times, four slices would be a big session for me. At nine, I've more than exceeded capacity. And yet, 
Well, I'm still sat here polishing off some of them garlic breadstick things. I'm going to be well popular on the plane. <laughs> maybe it's the um, overeating. Maybe it's my hangover. Or maybe it's my sleep deprivation. But I've made it here to the airport and I am on the verge of tears. There's an old lady over there and I'm really hoping she doesn't come over and try and be nice to me. She keeps looking at me all sympathetic and stuff. If she comes over, I am never going to keep it together. It'll be more than a few gentle tears just rolling down my cheeks accompanied by some quiet sniffling. She comes over, she better have a clean hanky tucked up that cardigan sleeve. Those concerned looks are making me feel even worse. God, imagine I tell her that I've actually just had a really good weekend and that's why I'm crying. I'm not sure the sympathy would be the same. Ah, oh, fuck, she's still tilting her head at me now, like I'm a sad puppy. Which is quite accurate, except for, you know, the cuteness factor. I give her a lame smile and I take a deep breath because I need to calm myself down. Because we're about to start boarding, thank God. After 20 minutes in my seat, we're up in the skies and I am all up in my head. Mulling the weekend over. Considering the other reasons for my tears, aside from my tired toddler syndrome can definitely chalk a bit of this up to feeling bad about how I've handled the Villiers situation. But mostly it's the impending loneliness of going home. I love my parents, right? But I wish there was someone else I could be talking to about this weekend and how it went. I can't help it when I'm wishing someone would give a fuck if my plane got delayed. If I get home late tonight. Don't get me wrong, my loves. Now when I'm going home to my own place, oh my god, that is so good. But I just kind of wish it wouldn't be dark and cold when I get there. From the plane to the train, the tournament bubble loses its strength. Moments of reality pierce it at every opportunity, especially at baggage claim. Finally home, somehow Finland seems more than just five hours ago. There's only one way to keep reality at bay for a little longer and I crawl into bed to dream of the games just gone. Back at work the next day because I'm an idiot who didn't book it off. I'm filling Susie in on the Tinder drama and generally sort of moping around the warehouse. Susie and my boss get a break from my dramatic sighing and somewhat flouncing around when they remind me that it is Pizza Tuesday. In our glamorous lunch area of the warehouse, Two sofas on a rug sit next to a sink in the corner. And this is where I devour my stuffed crust pizza. As a creature of habit, I can and do regularly eat the same thing day after day. I wonder though, how many days could I really do that for? Say, could I eat pizza every single day? Like, really? Surely even I would get bored of that. Though, I think I could do a week. I say to Susie and my boss, reckon you could just eat a week of nothing but pizza. They don't think they could do a week, especially not if it was nothing but Domino's. I'll joke that with the number of Italian restaurants we've got in our town, you could probably eat a different pizza every day for a month. Especially with all those deals happening this week, Susie says. I'm sorry, what? Deals? On pizza? Tell me more, my lovely Susie. Tell me more. And she does. Oh, you know that thing? That thing in town where everyone does a deal for a fiver? There are loads of pizza deals in that. 
Now, despite having actually printed T-shirts for our part in the Fiverr deal, I'd clean forgotten all about it. Hmm. Pizza for a week. Especially if I could do pizza for a fiver for a week. This, this is game on, my friends. I will save you the in-depth analysis of each pizza I ate for lunch and dinner for the rest of the week. But I did, in fact, complete my own random challenge. I probably could have got to 10 days if someone was sponsoring me for charity or something, but a week seemed more than enough for personal goals. The roast dinner I had to break my pizza streak was unreal. I can't believe I've only been back from Helsinki a week. And, oh my God, pizza aside, what a difference a week can make. This time last Sunday, I was out there calling the highest level of gameplay I have ever called. Today, I'm walking an hour across town to go and buy a second-hand toilet roll holder off someone from Facebook Marketplace. The come down is officially complete. Real life is back in full control once again. That little bit of Tinder action is all I am getting, it seems. Bumble is just the usual lesbian-Mexican standoff or complete radio silence. I still haven't really worked out how Hinge goes, and I don't think anyone else has either, it seems. Zoe is still a full of catfish pretending to be in the US Army, and I'm not bloody playing for Match.Fucking.Com or Pink Cupid or whatever version it is they've given us. It's time to take a break. Let's just back the hell off, let some time pass, and see who's out there when I come back. Which is a good plan, but now what? Right, stay busy. That should be easy enough. It's that sort of time of year again, isn't it? Halloween's only around the corner. The season of events is upon us. And there's always roller derby to announce. If all else fails, there's roller derby. And then Phoebe calls and breaks the best news ever. Her and Marco have adopted two gorgeous kittens. And would I like to come over and meet them? Why is she even asking? Who would actually say no to that? Take an allergy tablet if you have to. It's kittens we're talking about here, people. Get yourself over there. And after a few boring days at work and evening spent loafing on my new sofa, it is kitten time. Cate is a black hole. Just a ball of black fluff. Nothing but a pair of eyes in a cloud of darkness. His brother, Cat B, is rocking a black and white fur combo, which has resulted in a shape on his adorable face. I would like you to picture a sledgehammer. The hammer is resting on the floor. The handle is pointing skywards. This is the shape Cat B has on his face. The handle runs from his eyebrows down his nose and the hammer part sits across it. I mean, Marco keeps calling it a hammer, but folks, someone has genetically drawn a cock and balls on this cat's face. I don't care what you say, dick face. Facts. I mean, he's still cute as fuck, but don't be arguing, Marco. That is not a hammer. God, kittens are an antidote to reality. Dick face, in particular, is brilliant. Unsurprisingly, trying to get in everywhere. His brother, much more chill. Even in tiny kitten mode, he's got a good ragdoll-style fluff on him. These two are going to be endless entertainment for their humans.
Though to be fair, I think the same will be true in reverse. Who knows what sights these poor boys will see. From the cutest kittens to adorable dogs in the shop, I'm in my element this weekend. Yep, staying busy means volunteering for overtime. And they've let me out of the warehouse. The only problem now is I want to buy half the stock in our shop. Thank God for the stream of dogs who visited today with their owners. Otherwise, I really was going home with at least three more pin badges and possibly an umbrella that he's giving me serious Kingsman vibes. All work and no play will make for a very dull lesbian though. So it's time for me to go out for a giggle and to stop being a selfish comedian. If I go to comedy gigs these days, it's for one or two reasons. Someone gifted me this expensive ticket to a famous comic or I'm on the lineup. But tonight I just fancy putting my good trousers on and going somewhere to sip Prosecco out of a glass that looks like it was half inch from Gatsby's last bash. By the time the bubbles are in my glass, my ego has been sufficiently massaged. Disappointed reactions are received when I reveal I am just a spectator tonight. No tight ten from me. And the ever so handsome and very talented barman still gives me all my drinks for free. Now, if you haven't realised that I am the original Judgy McJudgerson, my comments throughout the evening would have given me away. Standard judging is one thing, but this is a new level as I try to work out why that joke didn't land or why that delivery worked so bloody well. And I wish I could be this analytical about my own performances. But honestly, it goes by in such a blur when I'm up there. I'm watching myself back. Sometimes my heart pounds almost as hard as when I was up there doing it. Sports me knows that watching a film is vital, but oh my God, it is so awkward and cringy. There's a local comedian. She's pretty good. I've crossed paths with her a few times. She's good. She's just not great. And she's really not my taste. But tonight, she's nailing it. We're actually Facebook friends. It happened a little while ago. And I've been able to see how hard she's working at this. She is going to workshop. She's doing all sorts of stuff. And it is really paying off tonight. She's just told the same joke that six weeks ago would have made me struggle not to roll my eyes, but it's just hit me right between them. She sharpened up all the edges. Fuck, I'm going to have to raise my game if she's bringing this. I'm not competitive enough about the comedy to go chasing all around the London circuit, but in a local showdown? Hmm. I mean, I need to step up, don't I? I'd like to be a winner, of course, but I'm... Um, I'd settle for folks thinking we're both hilarious. Two funny women, oh my God. Can it be genetically possible? The men folk will never believe it happened. Meanwhile, talking of the men folk, the best barman in town has invented a Halloween shot. I'm sure it's meant to be some sort of take on a toffee apple, but uh, I've had a few now, and all I can tell you is that they go down easy. I'm handling mine, though, better than this fella who is heckling the headliner. And the worst thing about the proper drunk hecklers is you can have the smartest comeback ever, but they're not going to hear it or understand it. By the time the headliner is done with him, the heckler is just now mumbling under his breath. His wife's face says, wait till I tell you how much of an arse you were tonight, tomorrow morning. I suspect Nigel may be awoken in the early hours to Sharon doing her home Zumba workout live and direct in the bedroom instead of the lounge. And he'll deserve it in my humble, very pro-comedian opinion, which is not at all biased. <laughs> but those shots didn't just make Nigel bold and foolish. Oh no, 
Yours truly is walking home in um, less than a straight line, whilst also nosing through Facebook. It could be the shots giving me ideas above my station, but one of the local roller derby teams have decided to host a big-ass tournament, and they're looking for a tournament head announcer. Head announcer. It's got quite a nice ring to it, doesn't it? And I do know a lot of the really, really good announcing talent at this point. So, why shouldn't I apply? In fact, fuck it, I am. I'm going to apply. I decide this while fighting with my front door. I finally get it open and, uh, yeah, first, let's just have a little lie down, maybe. Because, you know, the living room will not stop spinning. Hmm, I don't trust this sofa. I'm going to lie on the floor and slide down onto it and that is so much better. No matter how much I've drunk, I know I cannot fall off the floor. And the laminate is cool against my face. Eight hours later, it is not so cool. It's now stuck to my face. I've got floorboard lines on my cheek that take far too long to fade. I look and feel like someone who passed out on their living room floor last night. Fridays, though, mean no Susie and usually no boss, so I can look as rough as I need to today and not scare the shit out of anyone. And I don't have to turn as many lights on in the warehouse either. The weird hangover productivity that I've got this morning, though, is very useful and I am getting shit done. I'm pretty sure it's because if I stop, I think it will be the end of me. I keep it going once I get home from work. One roller derby CV is now up to date with referrals attached and my application for head announcer submitted. No point sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, mostly because they'll email me. And it's the weekend again and that means, you guessed it, more roller derby. Without this going on though, I probably would just stay in the flat all weekend and not see anyone. Well, apart from the fella at the local shop. And aside from the suspense of revealing whether or not I do want a bag, I probably wouldn't utter two words. Instead, today, I have solo commentated on three back-to-back games. And not just that, but each time one of the teams is French, which is not my strongest language. And Derby names in French are clueless. These lot could have the best puns in France, and I will never know it. I've done plenty of double headers, that's what she said, but triple headers, phew, that's new territory. I'm inexperienced and now, tonight, I am shattered. There is nothing left of my voice. Every muscle aches from the excitement and um, the cold of the day. I'm not the most flamboyant of announcers, but I'm still putting on a show. And as we've talked about, the come down is always real. Today, though, there is a little something that takes the edge off the post-game blues. I have just hit 100 games announced. And that is a good 100. Every tier in the country, Euros, Sevens, even men's roller derby. Junior roller derby is the only area where I haven't given my two pence. I struggle with juniors mostly because I'm so jealous I didn't find this when I left the swimming pool behind me. And I genuinely envy their fearlessness. I miss that. I miss the energy they have. And I'm using the last of mine tonight to do the most boring thing in the world. 
to try and get a decent bloody television signal. I know, right? Thrilling. High, low, middle, back, front. This aerial has been dangled in every direction and nothing is working. I just want to watch The Real Housewives of New York, goddammit. I'm annoyed now. Ladder's out, toolbox open. I will find the optimum position for this aerial if it fucking kills me. Which it might after that little wobble while I was perched on top of the ladder. You know, a bit they specifically tell you not to stand on. But yeah, sometimes you've got to. It was worth it because I have found success in this here spot. Right now, I have all of the channels and they look good. But obviously, I can't sit up on this ladder all day long. I need to affix this aerial to my window somehow. And the solution is not in my toolbox. So I dig my big bag of Christmas out and I locate the little suckers that are usually for hanging the lights around the window. But now they will support my quest for good TV reception. The aerial is up, the TV is retuned, and the tub of ice cream I put out has started to melt enough to be edible. If you're going to be single on a Saturday night, I guess there are worse ways to do it. My aerial efforts and my smug feeling about all of this last only an hour as I channel hop to find suddenly crappy, crappy signal. Whatever, I can't be bothered now. I'll pick a channel with a movie I've seen a billion times and yeah, I'll let the sofa claim me. <laughs> the TV has turned itself off when I wake up cold on the sofa. I don't get up as so much as roll off and sort of crawl to bed. And I won't lie to you that all I did this morning was roll back out of bed onto the sofa. Sunday morning news gives way to Sunday morning politics. And I am enjoying shouting at the MPs on the television when it occurs to me that it is a really, really good picture quality. They flick channels and every single one. Perfect. Crystal clear. Nailed it. I look up at the window where I located the aerial, and it's not there. After all of my efforts and death-defying stunts last night, the bastard thing is on the floor and working perfectly. Far better than when I'd hung it. And honestly, the week sort of continues in this vein. So thank God for Baz, who has a spare ticket to see Gabriella Jolmy. I remember her. She was pretty good. Thursday night arrives, and it's rum and coke on the train to town. The venue turns out to be a church just around the corner from the London terminal I always come in and out of. I'd have never known it was here. It's beautiful in that way that only churches can be. The stark white stonework against the ornate gold and multicoloured decorations of faith that adorn the walls. Baz has bagged a right result here. There can't be more than 120 of us in here. It's stunningly lit and it's a perfect stage to listen to the incredible voice of a gorgeous woman. Just an acoustic guitar and her at times. Spellbinding. One of those moments in life you're just glad to be a part of. The cosy intimacy of the evening carried through the next couple of days as autumn starts to look an awful lot like winter. Unfortunately, I am not maintaining the level of chill I left a gig with. At some point during the escapades in Helsinki, I'd offered up my screen printing services to Queen Bee. My announcer hero is going to be the co-head tournament announcer for the biggest roller derby tournament we have, Champs. Head announcers often give gifts to their crews as a memento and a thank you. Queen Bee and her crew are off to Montreal. So I don't think a t-shirt is quite going to cut it. They're still in love with the woolly hat I bought off the merch table in Helsinki 
I suggested beanies for the crew. We'd settled on those woolly hats with the pom-poms. I'd been so very confident when I'd made this suggestion, but after a week in the warehouse, I am getting further and further away from a good result. I am staring at the deadline with serious nerves. It is squeaky bum time. And Susie points out how difficult I'm making my life and gives me a lesson on sewing patches onto wool hats. I think she knows that somehow I am going to rope her in at some point. But right now, she patiently watches me massacre yet another patch. Which honestly is fine because the printed is still terrible on them and smudging all over the place. I haven't produced a successful patch yet. So really, my non-existent sewing skills are the least of my concerns. I practically live in the warehouse over the next couple of days as I search for an answer to my printing problems. Almost every lunchtime recently has involved a trip to the local fabric shop in town. It's got a shop front straight from the 1960s and a windows display of net curtain fabrics that probably haven't changed since then either. Yet inside, all of the choices you could want up to the current day trends. But it's always complete with these two little old ladies who have seemed to have been little old ladies all their lives. I've been back so many times this week. They both now know all about roller derby and champs and I know all about that time Mavis and Rita went to Canada, which in and of itself is podcast worthy. Just leave it at that. Thanks to their wisdom, I have finally produced a batch of patches I would not be ashamed to wear. And yes, my lovely listeners, you know that Susie did come in and rescue my poor fingers from hours of needle stabbing. Susie completed 10 to every one I managed. It's a batch of 25, I'm just saying. And soon they're boxed up and they're on their way with my favourite courier. I collapse on the warehouse sofa. It's been like days and days of low-level stress. All because I just think I can do anything. I'll just think I'll figure it out. And alright, okay, today I did. And I'm lucky all my screens aligned and I got away with it. Or, says the little voice in my head, did you do what you thought and said you could do? Well, yeah, I did. Well, there you go then. Okay, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I am always more concerned about my mental health when I have a sensible conversation with myself. But no, we are all good. It's just a nice moment of me backing myself. I can get used to this. Tonight, I am leaving this warehouse at finishing time and I am going to have the most relaxing evening ever. Tucked away in our cosy, windowless warehouse, we never know what the weather outside is doing. And of course, the one day I finish on time, it is raining. It is a cold, wet November night. Like the worst possible conditions to be riding an electric scooter. I'm just glad I brought my helmet for once today. Because those little wheels don't do all that well in the wet. And just like when I had my grown-up scooter, it's a nice bright white helmet. I'll do a quick light check, everything's working, and I'm away home. It's really coming down now. And doing 20 odd miles an hour is not helping the whole rain on glasses situation. It's not a night for playing silly buggers, so I stick to the bike lanes. I'll never be able to stop if an errant pedestrian changes direction on the pavement. I'm all lit up and I'm best off on the road. I'm like two minutes from home as I pass the gay pub on my way. 
and it's got a little junction next to it little t-junction and even though I have right of way and I'm clearly visible this prick still pulls out on me I've got no options and I've got no time no time to even hit the brakes before I hit the front wing of his car roll up and over the bonnet and back down onto the road in front of a car and I land with an almighty thud I hear it and feel it everywhere the air rushed out of my lungs on impact and all of my muscles have tensed up. Despite the fact that I'm lying in the road worrying about being further run over, I am struggling to get up. And then my good friend Adrenaline shows up. And now I'm up and I'm pissed off and I'm concerned about the state of my scooter. This prick thinks I should care about the dent in his car. Surprise, I don't. And now he's having a go because he thinks the not-so-legal status of my chosen mode of transport means that he should be allowed to run me over. I want to punch him, but thankfully some kind passers-by, or as we're now calling them, witnesses, take up the argument for me, while one of them actually helps check me over. You know, see if I've broken anything. Just before the shock really kicks in, I manage to do the sensible thing and get a photo of his registration number, just in case I do want to report it. I run out fucking soaked, freezing cold. And I'm really not sorry this bossy woman is insisting on walking me the rest of the way home. She gets me and my scooter through the front door of my flat. Then she's gone. Didn't even get a chance to offer her a cup of tea as a thank you. I lean against the radiator in the hallway and I am so pleased I left that heating on a timer. As I warm up, my injuries start to make themselves known and with no warning, the numbness gives way to a flood of emotions. Normally I feel better after a good cry, but everything hurts and there's no one to just give me a hug. Tell me it's all going to be okay while I have a little whine about it. I don't care how old I am, I want me mum. I definitely don't want me dad right now, he'll just take the piss and it is too soon for jokes. There's just one slight problem with wanting me mum. I never actually got round to telling me parents I bought the electric scooter. I figured one way not to have to worry about what they think is to, uh, you know, not tell them. Except now I want my mum to be all sympathetic and, you know, mumsy, but she doesn't know the whole story and having not told them, she's probably going to be quite annoyed at me and it's going to be a, quite a bit of explaining to do. The trick to this conversation is going to be admitting right off the bat that without even saying a word, my parents were right. If I acknowledge all elements of stupidity or absence of common sense, if I give them nothing else to focus on by the time we get to the bit where I've just stump-manned over the bonnet before Fiesta, I might just get a little bit of sympathy. As ever, my parents are class. Absolute class. They manage to be both supportive, take the piss, and actually make me feel a bit better. Though I do know I'm going to get some stick for this for a while yet. Luckily, my injuries turn out to not be too bad. Just, you know, enormous bruises down both sides of my body. Actually pretty impressive. I'm sore and I'm stiff, but I'll live. And my electric scooter will also live. It's absolutely fine. It's a bit of a scratch from it falling over, but it's purely cosmetic. However, my desire to ride the bugger this winter is gone. A week later, I've sold it, and I've only lost 50 quid on it, which, if you ask me, is not bad for a summer of fun. 
But winter's here now, and November brings a roller derby Christmas. It's time for champs. And aside from fangirling over all the teams, as per usual, I get to beam with pride every time I spot an announcer wearing one of my hats. Oh, one day, one day maybe, I'm going to get there too. And to get there, I've got to keep announcing. Which is why right now, I'm currently in the car with Dork driving to Belgium. Quick bit of the Euro tunnel, pick up some Euro snacks at a service station, and we set the world to rights on everything as we drive through France. Now, I will argue the toss with Dork about almost anything, because she argues like me, right? She gets right into it, and she can switch tracks mid-row, and she doesn't take it personally. But I will not argue about anything Disney with Dork. I know your strengths, and mine is not Disney. And Dork, on the other hand, mega fan, might be an understatement. But even announcers will shut up eventually. It's about seven hours into the drive. We've now driven across France and we're into Belgium and the landscapes have become cinematic to me. All I can see everywhere I look are scenes from bands of brothers. As I see these farmhouses, I can picture easy company on the streets. Another hour through Belgium's beautiful countryside, we arrive at our own farmhouse, which is quite literally in the middle of nowhere. It's gorgeous though. And we've all got our own massive bedrooms. Taking Dork's warnings about her snoring seriously, I snag a room as far away from hers as possible. Introductions are made and we've all settled in and everybody has started to make their way to bed. I've decided time for one last smoke before I go. Out on the patio, the darkness is intense. You start to realise how many lights we have on at home. Out here, light pollution is hardly a thing. But it's not a clear night, so there's no moonlight for me to rely on. I've left the kitchen light on behind me, but it confines itself to just the square of the window as it falls on the patio. There's nothing out here to reflect any of it back. I walk to the end of the garden, carefully feeling for a change underfoot. In the daylight, I'd seen the simple wire fence that denoted the boundary of the garden and the beginning of the field just beyond. Further on from that, there's the edge of the woodlands. I keep waiting for my eyes to adjust, you know, to be able to pick something out, but this darkness is impenetrable. Still, I breathe deeply knowing the expanse that surrounds me. It's kind of nice just knowing all that space is there. I roll my head, stretching out my neck and my shoulders. And then with my head cocked to one side, I hear something. I hear enough to get my attention, but not to be able to identify what it is. I hear it again. Stock still, I listen carefully. Something's out there. Sounds like it's huffing and puffing. Like angry breathing. It doesn't sound that close, though. I could have sworn that field was empty. And then it's quiet again. The heavy breather's gone away. One more cigarette, and then I'll go to bed. After all, I've got a lot of pronunciation to get right tomorrow. And there's something really relaxing about staring into the pitch black. What's not relaxing is the sound that has just erupted into the night. It's unmistakable. Something is charging at me. 
and you can hear it it's strides hitting the ground the sound just coming right at you and I know that all that's in front of me is a little wire fence and it's going to be useless against whatever it is that is making this much fucking noise and the ground shake flight is the option I'd like my brain to take at this precise moment but nope freeze mode has been engaged I am going to get run over twice in one month I mean, come on, twice is just careless. And then the pounding hooves skid to a halt and this enormous horse head looms over the fence at me. That's it. That's all it took for this horse to put me on my arse. Oh my God, he looks even more massive from down here. And he looks well pissed off with me. Okay, it's time to finish my frag and hit the hay, pardon the pun. Well, at least according to my horsey escort, it is anyway. In an act of sheer laziness, I've opted for a sleeping bag instead of bringing my own bed sheets to Belgium. And soon I am snug as a bug, having terrifying nightmares about horses and ring race from the Lord of the Bloody Rings. <laughs> Thankfully, the bad dreams disappear with the daylight. And my first time at a proper Euro tournament is an experience. I'm there announcing in English while my co-announcer does French or sometimes German or another one can do Spanish and another one does Flemish. I mean, by the time we get to the nail-biting final on day two, I have no idea how they do it and for some reason, I have gone full Cockney. It's like Dick Van Dyke on a bad day. I don't even have an explanation for it. It's just happening and I can't make it stop. The only thing that seems to calm it down is when the sport gets serious and as Dork and I announced the final on the live stream our view from the balcony of judgment is incredible and this game is going to the wire it's all going to come down to one more jam after normal game time expired Dork and I are hanging off the balcony with anticipation we're building the moment for the audience at home the hosts are in the final and this place has been loud all afternoon. But it is going to erupt this evening if they can take this win. There are 10 seconds left on the clock and both jammers are mid-pack when it runs out. So the only people who know who've won right now are the jam referees. They're the ones who've counted the hips that each jammer has passed before the whistle blew. Once those hands go up, the fingers will declare the winner. The away team puts up three points. The jam ref of the host is checking with the outside pack referee before declaring their points. Me, I counted four. If I'm right, and more importantly, Dork counted four too, if we're right, and they did bag four points, then they're gonna win. We wait, the crowd waits, and then the hand goes up. Four points, spot on, chaos, happy, joyous chaos on wheels, takes over this sports hall in this tiny little sleeping Belgian village, and it is fantastic. This after party turns out to be a very civilised affair. Mostly because everyone's got a really long road trip home tomorrow. So you can tell who the passengers are by the ones who are living it up. 
I'm still staying clear of the dating apps, as we've discussed. And, uh, well, yeah, it turns out Roller Derby Girls are still staying clear of me. Not a hint of interest anywhere. Though, mind you, I've not exactly had my head turned either, so I don't really know what I'm worried about. It's kind of been nice to put all of that on the back burner lately. Dork gets us home safe and sound after an epic return trip. i got to take stock it just hit my two-year announcing anniversary i've managed 129 games at that time it's been pretty bloody awesome but next next it's me i'm gonna be the head announcer because i only went and got selected didn't i i mean it's not till february next year but i've already started quietly tapping up a crew by the end of november applications are coming in thick and fast and I have got some decisions to make but first Christmas more importantly Christmas decorations in the new flat come the first of December I am all about getting those decorations up and it helps me to make it feel all cozy and Christmassy and I get all sentimental and then I watch too many Netflix movies that all seem to involve falling in love at the same time as discovering you are actually the heir to the throne of a made-up monarchy. So I decide that maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to re-download a certain app and try again. I mean, I am aware that this is Tinder, so I reckon the most I could be hoping for is a festive fuck. But let's see. Left. 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 Oh. I'll linger here a moment. Hold on. 15 miles away. Amazing. And she's cute. It's like Tinder's found my type and finally put her profile in front of me. And there's nothing on it that makes me feel like I need to do a quick reverse image search. Like this. This strikes me as the profile of a bona fide, legit woman. I know, right? Right swipe. And done. Forget about her. No wondering what's going to go on. There's no instant matching, so she hasn't seen my profile yet, or she's already swiped left, so let's just move on. I mostly continue swiping left myself, but there are a few I go right for. There are no instant matches, so it's all down to waiting to see if anyone goes right for me. The most pressing issue right now, as I put my phone down, is my ornament slash bauble distribution on the tree. Because it ain't right, and I have got to fix it. I have now put all the delicate baubles on the floor and I've tangled myself up in Christmas lights. So of course this is the moment that my phone pings from the other end of the living room. I don't know why I left it there, but I did. I know that ping. As we've established though, there is absolutely no point rushing just for a match ping because they don't always mean it. We've learned that lesson. But then, a few moments later, it's followed by a tinder message all right hold up right a match and then they've sent the first message okay now i'm suspicious or maybe there is a chance of a christmas miracle on my street i untangle myself and i walk across the living room floor so carefully as not to crush a single bauble i open the app and i get of Jim Carrey shaking his bum at me while a tie in a bright orange suit is playing. Flirting with a gif straight out of the gate. Who is this woman? I flick to the profile 
and it is, it's her from earlier, the cute one. We go back and forth with the gifts. Eventually, we do have to use our words, which is unusually where I falter with Bridget. I could have told her that she's cute. I could have told her she's gorgeous or beautiful. But no, this gay Shakespeare tells Bridget that she is genetically well put together. And no, no, Tinder doesn't have an unsend option and I can't delete it now because she's already seen it. Oh God, I've blown it already, haven't I? Genetically well put together. What a fucking tit. I mean, that, that right there is a conversation killer. The reply doesn't come instantly. In fact, there's no reaction. And you know, in fairness, I'm not sure I'd know how to reply to that either. But God damn it, I really do want her to reply. Fuck. I am not double messaging though. No, not this early, not, not happening. I'm just going to have to sit here and hope. Hello, you patient and lovely listeners. Ah, thanks for joining me once more. Um, since we last spoke, you know, things have been busy. Uh, house moved over, done and dusted, and the new place is a happy little refuge away from the world. A much needed one, as the uh, now not-so-new job is still insane seven months later. It's not just been the job that's been tough though lately. Uh, just existing again as a butch lesbian seems to have become an issue of late. Um, I've been through two homophobic incidents in the space of a couple of weeks. Now, I'd seen the statistics, I'd read other people's incidents online and I really wanted to believe that the backward slide wasn't happening. But it is. I think a lot of us have felt it, some of you have already experienced this ramping up of stuff um please take care of yourselves out there wherever you're going wherever you're up to um safety first always i know it shouldn't be your responsibility but please do look after yourselves putting that to one side back at the ranch i promise i am working very hard on not keeping you hanging for so long for the next chapter um in fact i've already started writing it so hopefully it will be with you sooner rather than later and it will be packed with comedy christmas and romance so you do not want to miss it i am off right now to go and rustle up some kind of Halloween costume before next weekend i hope that if you are doing something you are way more organized than me Whatever you decide to do, I hope you have a great one. And thank you, as always, for the privilege of your time. Take care.